Well, good morning, Celebration Church. How you guys doing today? Good, and good morning, uh, everyone joining us online. Glad you're here with us today as well. Now, real quick, I got to point out that um, right there it says Living in the Hope of Easter, and someone pointed that out to me this last week. I said, I'm going to do this video with this series, and they said, you know, Easter's over, right? And I said, well, maybe you didn't hear me on Sunday, because what I said (laughs) was that what I want to do is talk about how the love of Jesus is something that continues on through Easter, And so as we continue the series on love, my hope is that we all come to the understanding that, yeah, last week was awesome, Easter is amazing, and we had a great time, and that is an incredible, the most incredible story of God's love for us. But that hope that he shared with us through Easter continues on and doesn't just stop on one day of the year, but it's something that fuels us every day all year. Amen? Awesome. So on that note, um, I do want to take a minute to thank everybody for Easter Sunday last week. What a fun time, right? I mean, the, the food outside, the, the children that were here, the people that came to visit, the worship team. I just, I'm still reeling in, in the fun and joy that I experienced here on Easter Sunday. And I wanted to give a huge thanks to everyone who helped make that a Sunday possible. If you served in any way, shape, or form, you came and worshiped with us. Just everyone that was here, I love what we were able to do that last Sunday. So thank you so much for making Easter so fun. Such a joyful time here at Celebration Church. And if you joined us online for Easter, I'm glad that you joined us. But you missed out on some awesome stuff here, too. So I hope that you get to come check us out in person too. Um, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to continue a talking about um, how God's love reigns today. And as you turn there, um, I'll pray for us and we'll get, we'll get uh, jumping in. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that your love reigns not just on Easter Sunday, but past Easter Sunday. God, every day. And I thank you that we get to come together and celebrate and worship together with you. And God, I ask that today um, we experience more of your love reigning in our lives. And specifically today as we talk about our past. God, I pray that you show us how your love reigned then and how your love reigns now. So God, we welcome you into this place and we can't wait to see what you have in store. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we started a new series called Love Reigns. We celebrated the ultimate love of Jesus that he showed on the cross and how his love wiped out our sin, death was defeated, and his victory over death was the proof that he is the true king of everything. And we committed once again to to living under the reign of Jesus' love, letting everyone know in our lives that that is going to be the fuel for our life. That's the fuel for our mission. Why do we do what we do? Because of the love of God, and it's more powerful than anything. And today we're going to continue, and uh, we're going to put an emphasis today on our past. Raise your hand if you have a past. Right? Yeah, everybody. Now, Raise your hand if you've done things in your past that you wish you had not done or you have regrets in your past. Yep, there we go. Almost everybody. Some people are still like, nope, nope, don't regret that, right? We've all been there. We've done it. But there's a common thought when it comes to our past, one that's it's popular, but I think it's wrong. There's a common thought among people that people believe their past is a, is a hindrance to their present future as it relates to their walk with Jesus, There's people that think that their past, it does that. It's a hindrance to their present and future with Jesus. And I think that is the biggest bunch of baloney that we can honestly believe about ourselves. We can think that we've done so many things that it weighs us down. It weighs us down so much that we just can't see ourselves serving God. We just can't see God forgiving us for our past. We just can't see ourselves overcoming anything that critical in our life because of a choice we've made. And we we start beating ourselves up over it. Now, This is not just true, I mean, in people's walks. This is true in a lot of aspects of life. Some of the most superstitious people that will buy into this, not just in their walk with Jesus, but just in general, 
are athletes. Athletes are very superstitious. Athletes hold on to the past. Major sports teams hold on to the past. Almost every sport on earth has a team or franchise or organization that's gone through bad luck and they attribute it to something in the past that honestly does not even affect what's happening today, but that's something they rely on. They say, our past has done this to us. One of the most famous streaks of misfortune came on the Boston Red Sox in 1919. Some of you may know this. The owner of the Red Sox made the famous or infamous, if you want to call it, decision to sell Babe Ruth to the Yankees. When he did, Red Sox fans said they were cursed. Babe Ruth went on to become one of the greatest players in history, right? And the Red Sox went 86 years without getting a world championship. And if you ever ask the Red Sox why they could get so close but still not get it done, it's the curse of Babe Ruth. They traded Babe Ruth away and they were forever going to lose. And fans owned this. We will never win because our owner, 86 years ago, players were, had come and gone and died. And it's just, it was crazy how they would relate that past move to their present and say, this is why we cannot win. Well, 86 years later, 2004, the curse was finally broken. And they did it, ironically, by getting through the Yankees and making a baseball record, becoming one of the first teams to come down either three games to one or three games to nothing and beating the Yankees. So they beat the Yankees to overcome their curse, right? And they had this new, new rejuvenation for we can get it done. But they had to get past living in their past. Another legend. Now, I've shared before, I like to play video games. There's a popular Madden video game. There's a curse of Madden. Every year in sports, one of the, it's, it's an honor to make the cover of the Madden game. If you make the cover, it is you are being recognized as one of these top players in the sport for football. For about 10 to 15 years, every year that a player had a phenomenal career was put on that cover, they were either injured the next season, had the worst year of their career, totally tanked, got traded, some of them almost career-ending injuries, and they said, man, if my past didn't do this and I didn't make that cover, I never would have had this injury. And they blamed past successes on their future failures. The Madden curse. I think Tom Brady, love him or hate him, ended up breaking the curse by making the cover and then winning another Super Bowl. But there was a decade of injuries and horrible stats that made people fear their past because of a video game cover. Past, the past has an ability to weigh people down. As serious or as silly as it can seem, the past has that effect on us. And sometimes when we make a mistake that we attribute to our past, we say, man, I've, I've done something in my past. Sometimes they're just honest mistakes. We've all made an honest mistake. We meant well, we were trying to do well, something blew up and didn't work, and you have to get over it. Sometimes we do things that have devastating effects. Choices that have a devastating consequence that lasts for years. And those are typically the things that people will look back at and say, man, this wrecked my life. This is why I can't move forward. This is why I can't go ahead with what God wants me to do. But if we look through scripture, we'll see so many times in scripture, there are people that God has done amazing things with. People that changed the world, that, that led nations and overthrew armies. You know what they all had? A past. They all had a past. And if you grew up in, in children's ministry or Sunday school and church, you may recognize some of these names. Let's start with King David. King David, they say he is the greatest king in Scripture. He was the greatest king in Scripture. This is the slayer of Goliath, the man who, who was a shepherd. He wrote most of the Psalms that we read in, in Scripture. This is a man after God's own heart. Incredible leader. 
If you didn't know this, what if I told you he also had a past, where at one point he was a murderer and an adulterer? God still used him. We have Moses. Moses, the freer of the Israelites. He brought the people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He prayed and manna rained from heaven. He spoke to a rock and the rock gushed water. On another instance, he struck the rock and the rock gushed water. This was, what this man did is amazing. Did you know his past, his story started with him murdering someone and having to run because he got caught. Matthew, the writer of the first gospel, follower of Jesus. This man can be attributed to spreading the word of God throughout the world even today because of his gospel. If you look at his past, the start of his story, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. He's a tax collector. He's a cheat. He's a traitor to his own people. If you look at Matthew today, if you, well, today, if you go down and you see someone, you go, man, that is one of the scum of the earth people. That was Matthew back then. That was the view of him. But he has an amazing moment with Jesus. Then we have Paul, well-known, planner of churches, one of the greatest early Christian leaders. This man planted churches. He rose up people to take over churches. And most of the New Testament was written. We get to see Paul's mail to these churches. And it's incredible what he's done throughout the world, even today. His past, he was a persecutor. He was a liar. He was a killer. And he would even refer to himself in his letters as, I am the chief sinner. The man had a past. But what I love about these people, they're all major players. These are all incredible people with incredible stories. And what they've done throughout time because of their works um, in Scripture that have been recorded, they do amazing things still. But they all have a horrible past, an absolutely horrible past. They have a huge part to play today in showing the love of God and the power of Jesus. And they all have moments where I bet you they could look back and say, man, I wish I didn't do that. Man, I wish this wasn't something that I had to remember. They had horrible moments. Their past had powers to be things that could crush them, things that could literally cause them to say, I'm going to end my own life, or I want God to end my life. I have no future with, this, with these people, with God. There's no right for me to be doing any of this because of my history. But the New Testament often speaks of the transforming power of Jesus' selflessness, his selfless love, his sacrifice on the cross, and his triumphant resurrection. And when people placed their trust in Jesus, they were different. The moment when people said, hey, I'm going to now follow God, suddenly things changed for him. They made decisions that caused them to be brand new. And I think that's one of the most powerful messages we can ever hear. When we, when we come to Jesus, we get to be made brand new. Every name that I mentioned has their story. But in these stories, just like it happens to us today, your past catches up to you at some point, right? You can, you can only outrun something you've done or try to push something aside for so long before it just comes to that point where you've got to confront it. You've got to confront it or let it consume you. But in, the, in these, all these characters we talked about in Scripture, when that moment comes where their past is now forefront with them, with God, and with Jesus, there's never a moment where Jesus looks at these people or God looks at these people and says, hey, you blew it, you're out. Look at your past, I cannot use you. It is exactly the opposite. God takes their past, he wipes it out, and he makes them brand new people. That is exciting to me. To know that someone can come and say, here's my past, and it does not matter now. This is what matters because what God is doing. Paul speaks to this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. Now Paul sets this up by bragging on God's amazing love that would offer Jesus' life to rescue ours. 
And this is where we find the word therefore. It's a key word here, therefore. It's because of God's love that we are who we are in Christ as a new creation. It's not because of our works, not because of what we're going to do now. Therefore, because of Christ, we are a new creation. Because of his love. And this phrase, in Christ, and the New Testament is used around 216 times in Paul's letter. He keeps putting the emphasis on the fact that it is in Christ we get to do these things. In Christ, our past is destroyed. In Christ, we are brand new. It's so critical that we understand when we come to this point, when we look at our past, we can reconcile things in our heart, but it's because of our relationship and walk in Christ, we're able to go further. We're able to revolutionize who we are. We're able to forget the old and become something brand new. We experience this transformation that makes us new. But in order for this newness to become a reality, the old has to be removed. A very famous saying, this is not new news to anyone. We all know this. It's out with the old, in with the new. Very common, right? We all know the phrase, out with the old, in with the new. If you want to do something new, you've got to make sure we're removing some of the old things. The love of God is what gets to do that for us. It's the one that gets to come in and say, I'm going to remove the sin. I'm going to remove the shame. I'm going to remove the guilt. I'm going to remove the mistakes. I'm going to remove this, this feeling of failure from your life because you don't have to live in that way anymore. When God's love reigns in us, it overpowers us. It overpowers the hold of these things that maybe we think have a grip on our hearts the things that we think are weighing us down, if God's love can beat death, God's love can beat your mistakes. God's love can absolutely say, yes, you've done this, but my love is so much bigger than that, it does not matter anymore. My love and our, your newness, this is what matters. Now, my wife and I have uh, redone some furniture and things in our house. I mean, she always has an eye for what she wants to change, despite the fact if I just changed it, it's constant, like, now we're going to change it again. Right? But she likes to change things. Now, for example, I have a dresser in my bedroom. And when, uh, when I went to college, this dresser was the same dresser my parents got me when I was a kid. So it followed me to college. Then this dresser followed me when I got married and it had been in our house forever. Now this dresser has, it, it, was, it was not an Ikea dresser, right? This thing was solid. It was solid wood and it looked worn and it had my name in, in foam sticky letters on one part of it. And so, so you know, we get married in our bedroom. My wife would always go, that does not look like an adult dresser. I go, that is my dresser and I don't act like an adult, so I'm okay. But, you know, that's, it was my dresser. There was history there. But she had this vision for what she wanted to do in the bedroom, the, the, the way she wanted things to look. And so I'm looking at my dresser, and I knew we had to change it. So what we did is we sanded the thing down, got new paint on it. And now what's really funny is it's the same dresser I've had for 30 years. But when my dad came to visit us, visit us up here in Washington, we're showing him to the house, and he asked me, hey, where'd you get that dresser? That's really nice. I was like, yeah, it is. I did that. Got rid of the old, and I didn't throw the whole thing out, but I just refinished it. We got new hardware to put on it and made it look really, really nice. We made it look brand new, but it took getting rid of some of the old things on it. I had to chip off my foam name you know, from the, from the dresser. We had to change the hardware that had years of just worn on it. We had to put new things on it. So we took something that was old and made it look brand new. There are other things that, that she likes to do, and we've done at our house. When we first moved in, um, our house was multicolored. And, and I mean that. I, I have pictures where our house, our first impression, and even our kids thought it too, our house looked like an Easter egg. There was a blue wall and a yellow wall, and one bedroom was purple. One bedroom was bright green. One bathroom was bright pink. It was just like, wow. And we had to change it. And we did. But we took something and, and made it brand new. 
Now, because she likes to do these things, one of her favorite shows is Fixer Upper. And we've talked about Fixer Upper. I've talked about Fixer Upper before. Watching uh, Chip and Joe do their thing, you know, they said, do you want to see your Fixer Upper? And the, the faces are amazing. But, you know, my favorite part of Fixer Upper is actually not the reveal. That, that's the highlight of the show, right? You see the reactions and the emotions of, of what they've done. My favorite part of Fixer Upper is one of the phrases that Chip Gaines made famous. Demo day. I love demo day because in all reality, when it comes to fixing up, that's the only thing I could do in a house. I could do demo day. But demo day is when the remodel begins. Everything old is wiped out often by force and you see the fun highlights of the sledgehammering and the garbage throwing and, and Chip is so fun talking about destroying things. Now, I've never gone that crazy on any project at home because I don't have the skills to fix it. I could break it, but then we'd be, we'd be really in trouble. But he destroys, watch, I love watching him destroy the homes. But when they destroy things, they aren't overlooking anything. What I love about Demo Day is, is Joanna comes in and she has this incredible vision for what this house is now going to look like. No nook is over, overlooked, no, no cranny, nothing. Everything is planned out. In an episode we actually just watched, they found out that one of the walls was going to be six inches bigger than they thought it would be. And this threw her through a loop because then you couldn't see the window. Like it was designed to perfection but she had to get rid of everything old. Everything they talked about was planned. What they were able to do is they were able to see the past. This is what the house was. This is now what we want the house to be. And they restructured it and they destroy it and build a better future for the new homeowners. When God comes into our life, he does not just overlook your sinful past and say, let's not worry about that, let's not worry about this. He takes it and he does an overhaul. He forgives it. He removes it so that it does not have the power to hold us down anymore. And then he's able to rebuild off of it. He can say, this was your old life, and guess what? It's a fixer-upper. It is demo day. It is gone. And now we're going to rebuild and restructure, and this is your new purpose. This is your new function. And it's not the old thing anymore. You're still you. That house is still built. It's a house. But it's been gutted and cleaned and wiped out. God does that in our house. God does that in our hearts. He's able to say, this is now gone, and this is now you. You're mine, you're clean, you're forgiven. When we confess our past to Jesus and we experience this radical forgiveness, and when we confess, that really means that we're agreeing with him. We're agreeing that, yes, we messed up. We're agreeing that we have that past that, that maybe is weighing us down, that we've done things that need to be replaced. We have sinful ways. These ways are old and outdated. When we confess, we're agreeing to let him replace those. We're agreeing to let him take those out. We're agreeing to let him be the one that speaks truth into our lives. We, we go from telling lies to speaking truth. We go then from being selfless or from being selfish to selfless. Don't flip those around. That's a bad one. We go from spreading gossip to offering encouragement. We go from burning with anger to being fueled and filled with joy instead. That's what happens when we let God do demo day. We let God do that fixing that God be the fixer-upper in our lives. And when we're remodeling, and when you're remodeling a house, and like I said, I can't do this, but I helped manage my dad's construction company. Ridiculous that I was managing things that I couldn't do, but I did it. It's important to remove the old and rotten pieces and replace them with fresh materials, right? If you, something my dad did was windows, and he would, you know, if one of our construction guys took out a window and they saw dry rot, you know what they were not allowed to do, right? Put a new window on top of that rotted wood. The new window wouldn't hold. 
It would not be able to, to be effective. The water would still seep in under. You had to fix it. If you have a foundation that's crumbling, that's what's so great about God. He's able to say, hey, guess what? Whatever you were lying on before, whatever you were sitting on, whatever you were living your life for before, that is a crumbling foundation. When he comes in, he's not gonna build on that lie. He's not gonna build on that sin. He says, I get to be that foundation. I get to be the one now that you get to build on. He will remove the old. He will remove the rotting. He will remove the sin and make us brand new. He doesn't let us live on the past. There are things that we know will bring us down. Because if we do that, we end up getting frustrated. If we start building on our own foundations, it's just going to lead to more crumbling and more failure. God's foundation never fails. We don't have to end up frustrated. And our, God, our relationship with God will not suffer when we use him as our foundation instead. But we've got to allow God to remove it all. So many times I think it's easy for us to say, all right, God, I'm ready. I want to do this. And we say, all right, God, it's like he comes up with that hammer and chisel, says, I'm going to chip this away. Like, no, no, that will hurt a little bit. Just, just let, let's, let's work with some other things first. Let me leave this one. I like this one a lot. And sometimes we don't let God come in and do it. He says, nope, we've got to remove that. I want my foundation to be me. We've got to let him do it. Otherwise, our relationship with him can suffer. We've got to let him give us a fresh start. Give us that renewed heart and instill in us that desire to be with him. The Bible says it like this in Psalms 103. 103.12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. He has removed our transgressions. We don't have to walk around defeated. We don't have to walk around full of shame. If, if we're a Christ follower and we say we're going to do like what we talked about last week, being a disciple of Christ, being a student of him, we can be confident that our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been wiped away. Our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. We are brand new. Our past does not control our future or our present. Continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in 18, Paul continues and he says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his appeal to us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love that. I love that this, this reinforces this is all God's gift. It's all from him. That means getting our past Getting past our past is not something we do on our own. It's all through him. It's reconciling ourselves with his works for us. God reconciled us to himself. Though our sin broke that relationship, his love reigns over it and restored it. It made us right with him. And sometimes a good reconciliation is something we all have to come to. We all have to say, God, this is the moment where I've got to be reconciled with you. And if you have kids, you probably had these moments with them where they've done something and they had to reconcile with you, right? My, uh, my youngest is almost six. Now, um, believe it or not, we still have some of her Halloween candy. It's still there. You know, dad tax is real. But it's still there. One day she found out where it was on top of the fridge. I thought she couldn't get there. But this, this kid, she got a stool, stood on the little coffee counter, climbed up to the top of the fridge, and got her candy bag. I didn't know it until one day we were cleaning her room and we saw her stash of hidden treasures. Her candy, her candy wrappers, there it was. So I decided that I need to confront Avery. It's like, okay, Avery. So first it was just the question, Avery, have you been eating your Halloween candy? Nope. All right. 
Avery, are you sure you haven't eaten your Halloween candy? Nope. There was even one day where I was downstairs and I heard the shuffling of the stool and the crinkling. And I just listened. And then the, the guilty upstairs. Like, it's like, okay, she, mission accomplished. She got it. So then I pulled out some of the candy wrappers. I said, Avery, did you eat these from your Halloween bag? Nope. All right. So finally, I told her that I was pretty disappointed that she was continuing to lie. I said, Avery, we've talked about this. This is lying, and I know that this came from your bag because this is the only bag left in the house that has this candy in it. And then she was crushed. She was sad. But she didn't apologize or anything in that moment. So I was able to tell her, I was like, because you stole this, or you, you took this without asking, there's going to be a consequence. But now because you lied, there's an even bigger consequence with it. And she had, there was some consequences for her actions. But I told her more than anything that I was really, ups, I was really more upset that, that now this trust relationship between me and her was getting broken. It's like, all right, now I have to deal with lies. And as I've shared before, for, for me, that's one of the things that just drives me nuts. Just, just, you know, just, I, I really, really value honesty. And so for my own daughter to look at me and just lie was like, all right, I don't think I'm failing as a dad, but I got some work to do here. I got to work with my kid on, on honesty and lying. And there was a little bit of our relationship that was, that was damaged for this. After a little bit, she came up to me and she apologized of her own, own free will. Didn't demand it, didn't say, you need to apologize when you're ready. She came up and she said she was sorry. It was followed with, please don't throw away my candy. But <laughs> she was sorry. And I hugged her. We talked about it. There were some tears. I told her that she was forgiven, that I forgave her. There were still some consequences for the actions, but that was forgiven. Let's move forward. We were reconciled. When we confess our sin to God, when we go to God and we say, God, this is what I've done, we're not catching him off guard. We're not taking him by surprise. He's never going to look and say, you did what? That's, that's not shocking to him when you come. He already knows. But we do take that step to reconciling with him. We do take that step for him to say, yes, and I'm so glad you came to me to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because from that point, that's when he gets to say, my love is bigger than your mistake. My love is bigger than what you did. My love is bigger than the fact that you did this 10 years ago and you're just now talking to me about it. Because love is bigger than that. And he wants to talk about it. He wants to reconcile because he wants his love to be what reigns in us instead. And not only that, but we then become conduits when we come to this moment with God where we say, I'm going to give this to you so your love can reign through me. We become conduits for him, for him to all those around us. When we talk about our past, we can't forget that God's love is for us and God's love is through us. God has love for us and through us. He's interested in the entire world being reconciled to him. Not just us, everybody. He doesn't want anyone to live. Sorry, I was getting into that ringtone. He doesn't want anyone to live a life weighted down by a, by a, by a shackled past. He wants this relationship. His, his grace was extended to us through the cross, through Jesus' death and resurrection. That's where his love pours out. And now we get to be ambassadors who implore others to say, hey, if we come to this moment, it's okay. Tell them what you've done. I got to do it, and this is what he's done through me. That's what makes this so exciting. Do you want to know what the greatest thing is here? And I said it, and we'll say it again. We all have the past. We all have it. No one's exempt from it. So when we go to people, what this does, this puts us on the exact same playing field as everybody else. We don't get to say we're better. We get to say, hey, we've been there. We've done that. We have these issues too. As a matter of fact, sometimes your past can become your present, and it's only your past because it was yesterday. right? But, but we have this, and we work through it. 
And we're able to look at people and say, we're the same people. And God loves every single one of us. We can all look back and say, I shouldn't have done that. Could have been a decade ago, could have been last month, could have been, could have been last week. It could have been on your way to church this morning. You wish you didn't say that, <laughs> in the car on the way. If you have kids, that may be a, a common thought on the car to Sunday morning, right? Oh, I shouldn't have said that in the car. Man, the drive this morning was so insane. Why does the devil attack me every Sunday morning on my way to church, right? We all have pasts, right? But because of that, we get to see the reigning, God of, the reigning love of God move in us, move through us, and then through those around us when we realize he loves us all and we all have issues to work through. It's through our actions and not our words that people are going to see this, though. It's not just telling people about the love of God. It's showing them the love of God. A love for God is better caught than taught. A love for God is better caught than taught. People want to see you live it out. We can tell people all day long about being a Christ follower. We can tell people all day long about what God's done for us, but if you don't live it out and you're not acting on it, and you're not living that life and that love that God showed you, you're gonna have people saying, then why do I need it? What does it matter? Talk is cheap, right? People want to see the actions. If people, people don't want to lecture, very, very seldom do anyone want to go to lecture. I know that when I was in college, well, you know, one of the worst days was lecture day. You go to class and you're just sitting there and the professor is just dumping information on you. Those were the worst days. The best days for me were the group projects, the hands-on experiments, the ones where you're getting to interact with your classmates and do stuff together. That was fun because then you got to interact, you got to learn, you got to share life. People in general are the same way. They don't just want a lecture about Jesus. They want to see Jesus working in your life. They want to see what's happened. And we have an incredible opportunity every day to show people that God's love is not just a talk. God's love is my life. God's love is what fuels my decisions. God's love is what brings me freedom, and it brought Christ into my life. People seeing you in action it inspires them to take action as well. Recently, uh, we started uh, working out at home. Now, I'm only um, on week four of healthy eating and working out, but my wife has been doing it a lot longer than I have, and she started to inspire me to get into it. She started saying, you know, just, hey, I, want, I really want you to do this with me, and I'm not, I don't wake, still to this day, I don't wake up and go, workout day! It's just, it's not me. But I'm seeing the results of it now. You know, four weeks in, I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling better, but I know that seeing her do it faithfully every day has been a big inspiring point for me. Now, typically, we try to get our workouts in before our kids are awake. But what's been really, really fun is every now and then, one of them will wake up early. And when they come in, they just come into the room and they want to watch the workout. They just want to watch. And Avery, bless that little kid. I'll get down and do push-ups, and then she'll try and do push-ups. And I'll grab one of the weights, and she'll grab the little two-pound weight. She goes, Dad, here we go. And she starts doing little weight things. And then I'll get down to do a push-up, and she'll jump on my back and go, I'm making you stronger, Dad. <laughs> and weaker at the same time, Avery. You have no idea. But I know that our desire to do things and, and get healthier and fit, it's even instilling things in our kids. I love when my kids see me reading the Bible and spending time with God, because then that inspires them to read their Bible. People want to see a life of love with God, not just hear about it. We get to live and show that life with God, and it is contagious. A love for people is contagious. People want to hear about things that are exciting. They want to hear about things that matter to you. Now, real quick, this is going to be, I'm sorry if it's awkward, but I'm going to do it anyways. I know we're in church. We're not supposed to talk to people. I'm going to give you permission to talk to your neighbor for a second. Just real quick, turn to the person next to you. 
five seconds each, maybe 10 seconds, just tell them what's something you love to do? What's something that you're excited about? Do that real quick. Just look at someone, tell them, share, what's something you're excited about? Anything, movies, vacations. Maybe it is your job. <clears throat> All right, now, now hopefully it's not too hard, right? Maybe talking to someone you don't know very well could be a little weird, but we're in church, we're family. So hopefully it wasn't too hard to think, this is something I like. This is something I'm excited about, something I like to do. Now, it would have been very different if I would have said, hey, turn to your neighbor and talk to them about your most recent trip to the DOL of the DMV. Look at your neighbor and tell them about the recent long line at the post office with only one worker behind the counter. Tell someone about how Comcast dropped your internet for the 80th time this year. Right? Yeah. Those are not the fun things that you're passionate to tell people about, but our passion is evident when we share things that we love with each other. I had dinner with a couple friends uh, this week. They came over, and we were talking. We were having a fun time, and right before they left, he mentioned something that is also an extremely fun hobby of mine, and it was almost like friendship level up at that point, right? His wife was saying, we got to go, but then he and I sparked a whole new conversation of, do you do this? We're finishing each other's sentences. It was really, really exciting. And it was exciting because he's passionate about something that I was passionate about, and that just fueled our passion for it together. It's so fun when you find someone that does this. And when you find that someone really, really loves something, you get really, really excited for it, you cannot help but tell other people about it. It fuels your life. It fuels your excitement. It just oozes out of you. When we get back from an incredible vacation, I love to tell people about our vacation. It was so much fun. While on vacation, sometimes we'll flood social media with people because we want them to see the fun we're having. We're passionate about sharing our love and joy with those around us. We love to share what we get excited about. I think this is the same principle for our love with God. When we start really diving into the love of God and understanding the love of God in our life, this is something we get to passionately and enthusiastically tell people about. Not in a creeper way, but a loving way where you tell people, this is, this is how God is so good to you. This is why he's so good to me. This is what I've seen him doing in my life. And sharing our love for him can be second nature when we let his love just captivate and take hold of our hearts. We get to share it with passion. We have an opportunity. When you have an opportunity, share your story. Share your past. Sometimes your past, what you look at, is your biggest, wow, I can't believe I did this. That could be someone saying, I'm going through that right now. How did you get over it? Then you can point them to Christ through it. Our pasts have incredible stories. Let people know who you were before. Let them know how you met Jesus. Let them know how he's changed you since he's been in your life. And Jesus wants to make this appeal to the world through the things we do, through the things that we say. It has been made possible only because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did for us, it's possible that we can share how our past does not hold us down. He took our sins, he took our mistakes, he took our brokenness, our past and shame, he nailed it to the cross and it died with him. He became sin, even though he was perfect and sinless. It was an act of love for him to die, even though we are still sinners. He said it's already paid for, it's already reconciled, let's talk about it, let's live it together. Never forget that our wrongness is replaced by God's righteousness. Our wrongness was replaced by his righteousness. There's an incredible exchange that takes place at the cross between us and him. Jesus takes all the wrong away, and we are given the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
And the Greek meaning behind this, this idea, is that we are approved. Because of the cross, God looks at us, he says, you are approved. I want you. You are right before me. It was a divine approval. Maybe some of you in this room need to hear this today. Maybe you say, I've never had this united, being united with Christ before. I've never had this feeling of, God, take all of me. And God says, I will, and we're going to do some work. We're going to look at these things that, that maybe you don't like, these things that, that you've done, and we're going to say, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm now what we're going to build on. If, you, if you're united with Christ, if you're in him by your, your profession of your faith with him, that God doesn't see your sinful past. He sees a new, forgiven, righteous creation. He looks through the blood of Jesus and sees you as forgiven. And if it, it may seem too good to be true, it is too good, and it is true. It is so good, and it's so true. 1 John 1.19 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The unrighteousness of your past does not make you unrighteous today. It does not make you unrighteous today. That was paid for on the cross. Your past does not define who you are. That was paid for on the cross. Your sins don't define who you are. That was paid for on the cross. The things you regret doing do not define who you are. That was paid for on the cross. Your sin doesn't mean you can't have new life with Jesus. That was paid for on the cross. Let the love of God reign over your past. And when we get to that point where we let God's love fuel our lives, we get to experience cleanse, a cleaning, a newness, a clean slate, and we get to do incredible things. Think of those people we said before, David, Matthew, Moses, these people that just, they, they had killed, they had murdered, they had cheated and lied. God used them to change the world because he said, that past doesn't define who you are. What we're going to do together now, I define who you are. And the world's going to know who I am because of you and what we're going to do together. That's how love reigns over our past. Don't let it hold you down. Let God wipe it and move you forward. I'd like to invite the worship team back up this morning. I recently read a story about a, a company that sold uh, cake mixes in grocery stores. Now, they expected it, uh, they, they had a, a formula, you know, it was, hey, just add water, just add eggs, you know, the instant brownies and cookie stuff. And, uh, and they, were, they were selling things like crazy. They decided, brand new formula. We're going to add everything, so all you have to do is add water. We're going to make this even easier. When it hit the shelves, you know what happened? They found their customers were uneasy about buying a cake mix that only required water. And sales plummeted. It seemed too easy, therefore it was no longer trustworthy. People did not want anything to do with it. So they changed ingredients back to include oil and an egg. Sales went through the roof. It's insane how they tried to make it so simple that people didn't buy into it. I find often sometimes when we talk about the truth that God has forgiven our past, sometimes we can say, that's too good to be true. I don't know if I can buy into something that seems so simple. This resurrection, it's, it's too good, too simple to trust. Many of us think we have to add something to it. Well, no, i got to accept Jesus, and I have to do this. When Jesus says, no, just come to me. Come to me. I did the work. Come to me, and let's see what we can do together. When we get to that moment, then we get to experience the love of Jesus and how it flows through us and into others. Amen? Would you all stand with me? Think of these as we close today. Think of this. My past does not define me. I am more than what I've done. The past does not define me. I am more than what I've done. Feel. Feel that the heavy burden of your past no longer weighs you down. 
The burden of your past will not weigh you down. And do something. Decide to get past your past. And that starts by believing in the forgiving love of Jesus. If you've never, uh, if you've never done that before, if you've never come to that moment where you said, Jesus, I want you in my heart more than anything, and you've never made that decision, I want to invite you today to do that. If you're online today and, and uh, you're, not, you're not here and, and you can't talk with me in person, I want to invite you to click that prayer button that you see. There's someone that can pray with you and connect with you online. Or shoot me an email, Dustin at ccpwallop.com. I'd love to talk with you and go out and, and let's talk about this. But I want to invite you today, if you've never made that prayer, if you've never said, Jesus, be the one, be that love, be that one who fuels me past and through everything. Wipe away my past, God. I want a firm foundation with you. Come talk to me today. Come talk to me. Let's pray. Let's, let's have fun and celebrate this new life that we can have with him. Amen? God, you are so good. I thank you, God, that, that our past does not define us. You define us. Our past doesn't hold us down, God. You push us forward. You are that foundation we can build on. And I thank you that no matter what we've done, it is not too big for your love. God, your love conquers everything. It conquered death. It conquers our mistakes. It conquers our sin. God, I'm so thankful for that love. I pray today for anybody in here who, who hasn't experienced that, who wants to, God, that, that, that they talk to you, that they talk to someone. God, that they open up their heart and say, Jesus, today is the day that I talk to you. God, for people in here that want to use today as a launching point for, for a new life, saying, you know, I, I did this before, but I got to start over. God, today is a better day than tomorrow <laughs> to make that decision. God, I pray that we, we capitalize on this time we have with you. God, we, we take in every moment we have with you and we watch your love change, transform, fuel, and motivate us to do amazing things. Not for us, but for you. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.